This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Once you take your Bibles tonight, turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2 and... Great. Let's stand together, please, reading God's Word. I'm so happy to be here. And uh, this, uh, this thing uh, about getting old, I had written in my Bible when I turned 60 this past year. So I handled 40 great, 50 great, 60. It's an issue. It is an issue. And I wrote this down. Kidnappers are not very interested in you at 60. In a hostage situation, you are most likely to be the first one to be released. No one expects you to run anywhere. There's nothing, nothing, they say go and run to the grocery store. You don't run anywhere. There's nothing uh, left to learn the hard way. Things you buy now won't wear out. And it goes on and on and on. But my favorite one is when you go to bed, now I'm not here quite here yet, but when you go to bed and you take off your glasses and you take out your dentures and you take off your hearing aids, you realize you're putting more on the nightstand than you're putting in bed. <laughs> That's my favorite one. You know, a church is an influence in a community and an investment. God makes an investment in this community with this church and a tremendous influence. And I thank God you're here when I pull on the property. I actually pulled off soon, so I was able to drive around the whole piece, except for the part you had roped off in the back. I had to back up. But other than that, uh, I drove around, and just everything is just well-groomed and beautiful. Preacher took me just for a quick run through some of the buildings because we have a school too and I'm interested in that. And I mean, everything looks, this looks so nice and you're to be commended for that. And I want to thank you for that because God has something special for this ministry here. I promise you that. And the idea about the preacher's rest, our church will be praying for that, that meeting. And I know that all of you will as well. Preachers need a rest. Now, I'm having some trouble with my throat tonight, so you pray for me. We'll try to get through this. I actually had a scope done the other day, and I've got some blood vessels that have uh, popped out on my vocal cords. <laughs> so uh, he, he gave me some drugs. I just don't like to take drugs, you know. He gave me some stuff for inflammation, and uh, I rest my voice for a while, and, and uh, I didn't like that. So I went to one of these herb, herbal guys, and I said, you got anything for that? He said, chewing tobacco. So right now, that's working pretty good. <laughs> Verse number eight, I'm kidding on that, but I knew I was in North Carolina, so I'd probably some of you chewed anyway, so I just. <clears throat> We've been in a series in our church on Wednesday nights, we completed just a few weeks ago, on Elisha. We titled the second generation of prophets. We're in a transition in America right now where, where fundamentalism seems like it's, it goes through this. We're kind of handing things off to another generation. And Elijah was handing off his ministry to Elisha. And when we went through the series, we actually preached verse by verse through the life of Elisha. It took several weeks to do that. But different things popped out in uh, the, um, the life of Elisha. And I backed up and preached on them. And this is one of those messages that I preached to our church. And we pick up reading in verse number 8, trusting you know a little bit about the life of Elisha, the prophet. Verse 8, And Elijah and took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they divided hither and thither 
So that they too, that is, he and Elisha went over on, watch this now, dry ground. That was a miracle. It came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. He was saying this could happen. This could not happen. Verse 11, it came to pass as they still went on and talked. And by the way, wouldn't you have loved to have been in that conversation? Some of the last words of Elijah that are not recorded, Elisha was able to hear. And they talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them asunder and Elijah went up by the whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more and took hold of his own clothes and he rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Now we're going to see if it took right here. Verse 14. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where he is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. I want to draw your attention to verse number 10. Where the Bible says the first phrase, and he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Thou hast asked a hard thing. And I'm going to pray in just a moment for just a while. I want you to ask God, what is that hard thing in your life that you'd like to see the God of heaven do? What is that that you need to see accomplished spiritually? Maybe some relationship, maybe some work in your ministry. What is that hard thing that you have in your life? Let's pray. Father, bless now, please, the reading of your word. And I pray you'll challenge us. I pray you'll help my voice to be strong. But above all, may your voice of the Holy Spirit be strong in our hearts. As we preach the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Today, we live in the most self-centered and self-promoting society in American history. It's really off the hook. But from heaven's perspective, the supreme object for human hearts is to seek after God, to want what God wants, to desire what God desires. Is that not why Christians come to church? Isn't that why we pick up the word of God to seek after God, to learn what God wants? Isn't that why we pray and to try to find the will of God in some matter. The truth is, if all we want in our life is for ourselves, then all of our religious acts are in vain. The supreme act and the supreme object for all humans is to seek God, become his child, and to seek to please him. That is heaven's desire tonight. The apostle John knelt in Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 where he says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, 
and for that pleasure they are and were created. As you do research and study on this phrase, the hard thing, you'll find that it is a Hebrew phrase which means something severe, something fierce uh, that must be struggled for. The hard thing. Many times in life, we're faced with a hard and difficult circumstance. There are moments when God lays a burden on your heart that becomes a very hard thing for you and you have to ask yourself, how in the world am I ever going to work through what God has laid on my heart? You will face fierce obstacles in your life that only God can move. There are dreams that you feel God has called you to, but they are dreams that are impossible without a breakthrough from Almighty God. Uh, I want us to consider tonight for just a while to ask God for the hard thing. I wonder if there's anybody in here tonight that's willing to say, I'm going to ask God for the hard thing in my life. I'm willing to struggle for that just to see the glory of God. Remember, this man saw the waters parted before his very eyes. And I thought about that. And I thought about, first of all, that it was a question of blessing when he asked. A question of blessing. I want you to notice Elijah's request to Elisha. As the two walked along, uh, uh, Elisha said to Elijah, Ask what I shall do for thee before I am taken away from thee. I think that was a, a good question for an older man to ask a younger man as he was seeking to bless the younger generation. Can I just say tonight there's a generation of young people that need to put themselves in a place of blessing. Don't ever run from the older crowd when you're in their presence because they've got something to show you if you just watch them and listen to them. Our older generation, they see something that, that the younger generation doesn't see. Our older generation sees a storm on the horizon. They see the hard thing before the church. They see the hard thing before our nation. And they see a wicked culture that only God in heaven can turn around. And uh, somebody's got to grab hold of that. Somebody's got to see what's coming up uh, in our society. And the older generation of the church is begging for the younger generation to rise up and do something for God. Amen. You see, Elijah in his day made up the hedge and stood in the gap of his generation. And there's got to be somebody in every generation, in every location, in every city that stands in the gap and makes up the hedge for their generation. Uh, and, and now uh, Elijah is going to go away. He realizes that the weight is heavy and uh, he's leaving the young prophet to walk alone. He's invested, uh, some say, somewhere between eight to ten years in this young man, Elisha. Here, Elisha, as he cries out to God, as he watches his leader and mentor fly away to heaven, he makes a statement. He says, my father, my father. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think the Bible just puts things in there just to make uh, some, some easy reading. I think every word of the Bible, every jot, every tittle, every dot of an I and every cross of the T, God has inspired for you and I to learn something. And I believe when that young man cried out, my father, my father, I think he was speaking of the prophet's spiritual influence on this young man, Elisha, and uh, thus on the next generation. I want you to know this old man impacted that young preacher. And uh, then he makes this statement. He says, 
He says the chariot of Israel, I think, was speaking of Elijah's national importance on Israel as their spiritual protector. I know Ahab didn't see that, and I know Jezebel didn't see that, but understand this. This man, Elijah, was the man that kings and queens feared. With his three schools of the prophets, Elijah saved religion from being destroyed in his nation. With the stand that he took on Mount Carmel alone, I think he beat back years of Satan's influence in Israel as he slew the 450 prophets of Baal. Could you imagine just in America alone having 450 false preachers taken off the scene? His presence in Israel was a thorn in the side of King Ahab and his floozy wife Jezebel. I jotted this down uh, uh, not long ago, and I put it in my notes tonight for us to, to hear. And, and, and this isn't, didn't come from me. I don't even remember where I heard it at, but this, this, this is what my statement is. The best defense of any nation is found in true men of God who defy evil and preach the truth, truth of God. Let me say it again. The best defense of any nation is found in true men of God who defy evil and preach the truth of God. Thank God for your pastor in this city. Thank God for pastors all across the land that stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Emerson said this, and I quote, the test of any civilization is the kind of men it turns out. Uh, today, uh, uh, America has turned out a bunch of sissies. Now, I know we got some good ones, and thank God I'm in the South where, well, I'll just move on. It's not my church, but this this young, and I'm, not, I'm talking about this young teenage bunch especially, they brag about starting a revolution. They don't even know how to start their own lawnmower. <laughs> and can I say, I was there one time that I had to learn some things. My dad used to look at me. He says, I know I've got more sense in my little finger than you got in your whole head. That used to, used to make me mad, but oh, how right he was. Someone say amen right there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and let me challenge you to, 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 to put your life in a position so that you can be blessed of God when the challenge of the hard thing comes along. We got to be willing to do that. And, and thank God, Elijah was willing to pass it down to Elisha. I wrote this second thing down. Not only was it a question of blessing, but it was a question of boldness. A question of boldness. Verse 9, Elisha's request, he said this, he said, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now we say that the young prophet was asking to perform double the miracles of his predecessor. And he did just that. At least double, and some say maybe more. But the request contextually, <clears throat> the request was really about the following of a Jewish custom of an inheritance to the firstborn son of the family. He was to receive double of all the father had. Uh, that's not me and my family. That's my older brother, and I hope he don't read that in the Bible anywhere. But we have no indication that Elijah even had a son, so this was a worthy request. We also know that Elijah had no earthly inheritance uh, to leave the young man. We have no indication he had any wealth. We also know that Elijah was a hated and a hunted man and therefore had no public notoriety. So we take it to understand that 
Elisha was not asking for riches and he was not asking for honor and he was not asking for worldly prestige. I believe he was asking for the secret to Elijah's power. He said, give me a, a double portion. You see, Elisha had been captivated by, by this man, Elijah. He was saying, I believe, I want, I want to walk with God like you walk with God, Elijah. I think he was saying, I want to I want to work for God uh, like you work for God. I want to see the wonders of God like you saw the wonders of God. Here is a young man that he got it. He understood. And I guess in the younger generation, they say he woke. He was alive. He'd awakened to his cause in life. And so uh, we see that uh, uh, he was desiring the secret to Elijah's power. And that secret was found in Elijah's strong faith in God and his simple obedience uh, to God and extreme boldness for God. Elisha needed that. He wanted that double portion of power because uh, his generation would be twice as evil. And can I say this? You and I don't need to be going backwards in the power of God in our generation. We need more of the power of God in our generation. And I know a lot of the giants are, are falling off the scene and are, they're going back to heaven. And I understand all that. But you and I don't need to say, well, the day of the powerful church and the powerful preacher filled with the Spirit of God are gone. We need to bring back those days to old-fashioned boldness and holy living. We need to understand that evil multiplies as time goes on. And it is time for someone to ask for the double portion of God. It's not just the preacher that needs the double portion today. I think men need a double portion from God. Our generation is coming after manhood and masculinity. We may joke around of it, but it is quite the epidemic. Now I'm going to tell you something right now. Men need a double portion from God to take their stand today. It takes strength and power and resiliency and zeal to stand. I think dads need it. I think moms need it. I think men and women all over, the temptation is greater. I think businessmen need it. I, I, I just think they just need something special from God. I don't know if this applies or not, but I think of the man named Truett Cathy who said, I'll make a chicken sandwich and sell it and we'll be closed on Sunday. And uh, I'm glad you took his stand on that. Now, I'm not suggesting there's power in Chick-fil-A, but I do believe in Christian chicken. <laughs> but who ever heard of it? I mean, they told him, they said, you've got to stay open. As a matter of fact, he put his stores, if you read his book, he put some of his stores in malls, and the malls say, you've got to be open on Sunday. So he said, well, I can't be. So he took his stores out. I don't know what they do today. I, I, maybe I, it's a bad illustration. The only thing, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting a peach milkshake right now. But I'm just saying, I, I mean, everybody, God put that thought in his mind. And, and I think we all need to have, I think of some of the old churches. I think about, of course, we all think about the old Tennessee temple, Brother Hickman. We used to go down there, the Southwide Baptist Fellowship used to be held there. And I remember going down as a young preacher from West Virginia I mean, 6,000-seat auditorium, packed out wall to wall. I mean, it was nothing but shouting down the glory. It was a wonderful, encouraging thing. I went back to my little church in West Virginia the first year I started preaching, and I just, uh, I remember the message I preached. I don't even know where it was at in the Bible, but I, I, I remember the title of it was, It's Time We Have a Little Talk. And I got so sick and tired of what, and I, I, I had them stand up and teach them how to say Amen. 
You said, you didn't really. I did. I know it was crazy, but I did. I remember them telling stories about getting out in the parking lot and praying for the power of God. And I remember some preacher saying, I walked around my church seven times praying for the power of God. Say, what'd you do? I did the same thing. You said, you're nuts. I, I, I know, I understand that. But I will tell you this, God did a wonderful work back there. I, those days aren't over, folks. They're not over. We just need some folks who pray for a double portion. I wrote this third thing down. It was a question with barriers. Now, I just want to kind of let the rubber meet the road right here for just a while. It was a question with barriers. Elijah's reply to the request for the double portion was this. You have asked a hard thing. I got wrapped up in that. I thought, and, and I don't know that I, I, I can say for sure what Elijah was thinking, but I want to tell you what I think he was thinking. Now, if you know anything about the, the life of Elijah, I think uh, when he made the statement to the young preacher, said, now you've asked a hard thing. Uh, I think he was thinking maybe the fact that Elijah was thinking his life was a hard way to live. He said, son, he could have said, you don't understand. My life is a lonely life. I don't have a lot of followers on Twitter. Nobody much wants to stand around and talk to me. My life is a misunderstood life, son. Do you really want people thinking you eat strange food and you dress strangely? It was a life that was unexplainable. Uh, the miraculous hand of God on him. I don't know what he was thinking, but maybe he was thinking that it was a hard thing because only God could fulfill his request. He said, you've asked a hard thing. He may have been hard for Elijah, but nothing's too hard for God. Amen. Dr. Gibbs is our moderator for Southwide this year. And he's pretty stirred up about it. He, he said, I want our theme to be all things are possible. And uh, he was telling me some stories the other day about some things that God just did that were impossible. And he's going to challenge us, preacher. He's going to challenge us. On Wednesday night, for all the guys that stay, if everybody stays, they're all going to get a stick. And he wants them to write on that stick something that's impossible, that only God can do, that they want God to do in their life. And then we're going to build a big bonfire out on the soccer field, and we're going to go throw our sticks on and pray for God to do that. And you say, you say well, that's, that's strange. I'll do it all the time in teen camp. We used to do things like that all the time. And I think it's going to be a big night. But how many believe all things are possible with God? And uh, it was a hard thing to ask the old prophet because Elijah knew that it had to be something that Elisha really wanted. The biggest barrier was this. God's people today lack faith in God to do the hard things. You understand tonight that no preacher can make you change. No preacher can make you serve God. No preacher has any kind of magical touch to drop down on a ministry and set it on fire. God in heaven has to do that. And Elijah knew that he could not manufacture this desire in Elisha's heart. That only God could do that. I don't know if any of you will understand what I'm saying, but I sure hope somebody in here does. Because I think the greatest barrier with Elijah was not so much that Elijah had a hard life. 
But the greatest barrier that the old prophets saw was this. He couldn't make Elisha watch him to the very end. God had to put that desire in his heart. God had to put the desire in his heart to even ask the question, give me a double portion. Is there anybody today in our movement that will ask for the double portion? Is there anybody in this church that would run along your side, side your preacher, and say, oh God, give us hickory. Give us this region. That's a hard thing. Because people in our generation have hard hearts. It was a big barrier. The hard thing. If you study the whole text, you'll find out that there were 50 sons of the prophets that were kind of the, the Bible college buddies of Elisha. They were following the, the two men around that day and, and uh, they, uh, they, they kept asking the question, if you read the whole context, did you know, they say to Elisha, their old Bible school buddy, their old roommate in the dorm said, do you know that God's going to take up your master today? He said, yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. And I, they said it over and over and it was no surprise that God was working that day, but understand that uh, they didn't cross over that Jordan. Only Elisha did. And can I say these 50 sons of the prophets are like Christians today who are just kind of preoccupied with the sideshow side in life to get, to get deep and serious with God. But it was only Elisha that stepped out and did the hard thing. That's why I don't, I don't think people really understand how important it is for somebody to step in there and take hold of the children's ministry because they got a vision and take hold of the Sunday school department and take hold of the Christian school because they see it as their hard thing and they know they can't do anything for God without the help of God. It's a great barrier today. People just don't think spiritually like they should and they look for other remedies to their problems. I remember uh, when I moved from West Virginia to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I, I wanted some of these powerful men of God to come in and preach before they went to heaven. One of the men I had come in was Dr. Tom Malone. He was always a hero of mine. The preacher from Pontiac, Michigan went up there and they said, you'll never build a church in Pontiac. And he got an old bar and cleaned it out and swept out the cigarette butts and brought some chairs in. And he ended up having the largest church in Michigan for many years. Dr. Malone was quite the preacher. Every time I was around him, I felt like I was around somebody that was touched and anointed by God. And I know these are men. I know they all have chinks in their armor. And I'm not trying to make a saint out of them. I'm just saying that I was, I was new to Murfreesboro. And I, man, I had a tiger by the tail. I, 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 I had no clue uh, what to do other than just obey God. And I remember he preached and he looked at me and he said, Brother Norris, I'd like to see your mission field. And uh, I thought, boy, I thank God I had me a little route. Back in West Virginia, uh, little Ripley, the church sat down in a little, little valley and I had a place there, preacher up on top of the hill where I could go pray. And uh, I did that regularly. Now, I, you couldn't drive around Ripley because, I mean, West Virginia, I mean, it's, they said if you'd roll it out, 
it, it'd be bigger than Texas. But so, so I prayed. Well, when I moved to Murfreesboro, it was so flat you could see your dog run away for three days. And so when I got down there, and so I didn't have no hill to get up on. And uh, so I, I had me a route around the city. This may sound really stupid. I do dumb things like this, but I went into town and I, I traced me out a route. I did this the first week around that town, around the city limits, best way. It's pretty easy to figure the route out. But I stopped at every Murfreesboro city limits sign and I stopped and I got out and prayed. And I prayed this crazy prayer. I said, Lord, if any preacher in this city got mad and stopped at the city limits and, and prayed to you and shook the dust off their feet, uh, I, I want you to pray that you just cancel that prayer out. <laughs> it was a crazy prayer, but I literally did that. I, I do things like that. It's kind of strange. I shouldn't tell that because you all get, get kicked me out of the club. But anyway, but uh, Dr. Malone said, uh, Brother Norris, I want you to show me your mission field. I said, okay, Doc. I said, let me drive you around. Now, you may remember this, Brother Hickman, because sometimes y'all bring your ball teams over, but Murfreesboro, 20 years ago, was a two-lane road in front of our church. I mean, you had to drive into town a good way before you saw the first store. There's a Waffle House at Interstate. <laughs> but other than that, there was nothing. And uh, by the time Dr. Malone had got there, there was just a boom of housing, first place right around our church. Well, I took him around the other way and brought him around, and, and he said, boy, this is something. I showed him there was a new high school going on over there. And I got back pretty close to the church. They just plowed out a brand new four-lane road, and they just started building a, a new high school and a new junior high and a new elementary, not two miles from our church. And they started just, these streets just started dozing them out and putting these pipes up for houses. He said, stop the car, stop the car. And he said, let's pray. And he put them big old hands on that dashboard. Oh, God bless Brother Norris. And he went into this prayer. I mean, to this day, when I think about it, it makes the hair stand up on the back of my head. God got in that car with us, and he almost, I, I, I didn't hear him, but I could have heard him. I think I could have heard him. He said, you better listen to that old man pray, and you better take care of this mission field. And I want you to know that I think every preacher ought to drive around his town. I think every preacher ought to get a vision. I think every preacher ought to ask for the power of God on his life and for God to tear down the barriers in his own heart and barriers around so that God can come into that city and do the hard thing. Oh, the, the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina is an investment of Almighty God to the people here. Keep them out of hell. Number four, there's an answer with a breakthrough. It was an answer with a breakthrough. Elijah's remedy to the hard thing, he said, if, and if you see me, it's going to happen. The old prophet knew that something big was going to happen. Look at verse 1. This was not any surprise to anyone. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went to, with Elisha to Gilgal. Those, those men got up that morning. They knew what God was going to do. I think he was talking with them along the way. I think him other jokers probably didn't have a clue really how it was all going to work out. Kept asking those dumb questions. And somebody don't serve God. They do ask dumb questions every now and then. But it was an answer with a breakthrough. I think the old prophet sought to, to prove the faithfulness of this young guy. He knew that Elisha would, would have to be faithful in order for God to bless him double. I think the old prophet was seeking to see a little passion, a little fire 
in, in, the, in the young man. And Elijah knew that the young prophet needed to experience the fire of God for himself. And can I say, when he witnessed that, uh, that uh, a chariot of fire coming down, uh, the old man of God knew that this young preacher needed to see for himself the fire of God. Thank God for the times we're able to see God come down. We need it again so desperately. And he got what he asked for. Many today rely on the fire of someone else. And preacher, you and I get in the age where all them someone else's are going back to heaven. And see, our generation needs to see the fire of God. I think he was looking for a, a peculiarity with this young man that he'd be willing to forsake the world. Now listen carefully, I'm almost finished. The old prophet walked alone most of his life. Very peculiar lifestyle. And if all of us would just think there's a lot of people that love God in an unusual way that they seem unique and peculiar. The old prophet walked alone across the Jordan with the new prophet to teach him the importance of walking alone in life with God. I think they got over on that other side. Now you get the picture here. You got these 50 sons of the prophets. They just, they watching a side show, you know. What's them boys going to do? And he walked the edge of that river. That old man took that man off and smoked them waters and poof. They should have been down there crossing with them. But they had taken pictures of their cell phones. They got on the other side. I don't, again, know exactly what it was said, but I think the old man of God turned around and said, you see them boys over standing around with their hands in their pockets? Don't you ever be like them. Son, you're on this side of the river for a reason. Because God wants to do a work in your life. And the hard thing is a peculiar thing. It's a unique thing. That's why I like what you're doing with the preacher's rest. And I'm preaching to all of us tonight, but there's going to be times that you feel like that you're all alone and no one understands. Make sure you're on the right side of the river. And you'll be there by yourself, but something's about to happen in your life. I like what the preacher said a while ago, out on the river, out on, out on the ocean, when they sang the song, you're not going down, you're just going the other side. What is the hard thing? We had our deacons meet last night. I didn't plan on this happening before, before, we, uh, before I came down here to preach, and I'm not going to divulge anything. It was, but we, we, we gave our end-of-the-summer report, and we just finished another big old building and, and we gave the financial report and we gave the soul winning report and folks saved and baptized and things that God was doing. And I can just tell you, I, I, I don't know why I did this. It was really a last minute thing, but I, I got my, I went back to the back of the property. Our ladies took off in one bus and they had a little activity. And I just went back to the bus bar myself and I got our little shuttle bus, a little old 14-seater, has air conditioning, kind of like the, they drive around at the airport. And I pulled that bus up there, and I said, fellas, we're going to have our quick devotion. We're going to pray. We're going to get on. I want to show you what God's done. When I came, we had nine acres. We have 31 now. And uh, I said, I know that you all have been in this room. We voted on all these things, but I want to take you and show you what God's done. 
And I drove those guys around that property, and I stopped. I was kind of like the tour guide for a while. I had a good time. Now, over here we have, it felt like old Barney fight for a while, you know. But those guys got so excited. Two of those guys are in their 90s. Still got a good, clear mind. And they got to wiping tears and thanking God. And I got them back in there, and I said this to them. I said, God didn't do this just to turn over to somebody else or see the doors closed someday. I said, God did it because he wants to do a, a great work here, a hard thing. Amen. And I want to come here and tell you here at this church, when I pulled past, past this property, I thought, my, my, how God's blessed. Amen. I just tell you like this, I, I mean, I lived in West Virginia. I guess if I was going to live in any other state, it would have been North Carolina or Tennessee because I always liked Andy Griffith and I always liked when everybody talked. I tell everybody, said, hey. I always liked that, you know. <laughs> so I always thought if I ever wanted to live in another state, it would be North Carolina. And I will tell you this, I have an affinity for this area. And, and can I just say that when I pulled up, if I was going to build a church in North Carolina and have a road, shady road run in front of it and have a shady soccer field out back and have all these pretty trees, I would build it just like this. This is wonderful. And I guess I came all the way from Murfreesboro, Tennessee to tell you this. You all need to be praying for the hard thing. He's got you set up. Everything's here. It's all here. And uh, you love each other. And you love other people. And can I say you ought to be praying to God. Oh God, let me cross over. I want to see the chariot of fire come down. I want to see you do something powerful. I want to be able to go back to that river, smoke the waters with the old mantle that has been passed down to us all these generations and say, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And see that river part one way and the other and walk across on dry ground. See the blessings of God. How about your life? Someone needs to be asking the question of believing someone needs to be asking for revival in America for restoration in relationships for the redemption of others to see people saved maybe tonight in your life you have a prodigal just yesterday I don't plan these things I sat in my office and caught the tears of two families they wore out the Tissue box, asking God to help them with their kids. They had a hard thing. They need a breakthrough. They need to get on the other side and see God come down. Maybe that's your hard thing tonight. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an affliction. Maybe it's a broken heart. Maybe it's a cold heart. A big thing I'm counseling some Christians have been saved for years is the fact that they... They, they just have a cold heart. Nothing moves them anymore. If I got in that place, I'd get on my face tonight and say, God, I'm going to ask you a hard thing, but I want you to put a passion back in my heart. Put a love back in my heart. I'm talking to people, you've been at it for a long time and you get weary, but let's ask God to put the fire back. It's a hard thing, but God can do it. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. 
If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.